0: Hey there, friend, and welcome. This is Brittany Dixon with Courageous Radiance Podcast. Are you new here? If so, welcome, friend. I'm so glad that you have clicked on this episode, clicked on this show, and I pray that you'll remain here and be fed. If you are not new and you are more here than none, welcome back. I'm so glad that you have tuned in and I pray that this time be one that is edifying to you. I am going to read in Esther 4, Verse 14, if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place, but you and your father's family will be destroyed. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Friends, we are reading in the book of Esther this whole month of September. Last week, we were in chapters one and two. Today, we are going to talk through Esther chapters three and four. I'm so glad that you're here. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so grateful that you are here today. It is September and I found, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, you will see that I've got my pumpkin cup that I found at HomeGoods this past weekend. It says pumpkin everything. So I actually also found inadvertently some decorations for fall. I was not even trying to decorate for fall. I really wasn't. I was going in for a whole other purchase and they, you know, have that stuff right in the front. So why not? It was a great addition to my mantle. So I'm thankful for that. So I'm sitting here drinking my cup of coffee. Um, I consider this time as an ability to feel like I am across the seat, across the table from you, and we are sharing what's going on in our lives, that we are um, crying together, laughing together, praying together that this is our time to read God's word, And to faithfully obey him. So thank you so much and welcome to my home from your home or your car or wherever you are. I'm just so grateful for you. So I actually want to start off um, in prayer and then we'll jump into Esther chapters three and four. Um, Dear God, we are just so in love with you. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much, Jesus, for this opportunity to read your word Um, that we get the ability to glean it um, through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. God, we love you. May our whole life be for you. We exist to serve and glorify you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. So welcome back, Brittany Dixon with Courageous Radiance Podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. We are going to hop back in. This whole month is um, in the book of Esther. Last week, Um, I hope that you catch that episode. If you haven't, um, definitely get that downloaded and just catch up uh, reading through the books of um, the chapters, book of Esther, chapter one and two. Today, we're going to be in Esther chapters three and four. So title-ish is, uh, or a theme idea is downstream legacy and faithful obedience. So I actually want to start... Not by reading in Esther. I actually want to start by flipping over. So if you go over some books to 1st Samuel, I know that um, I hope you have your Bible. If you have, let me actually pause. If you have a Bible, amazing, um, I am a visual, I am a highlighter, writer, etc. I use the she reads truth. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see. Um, this is an amazing. Bible. I actually asked my mentor about this because I, used, I was using an um, NIV study Bible, which I still use. It's great. Um, this is a Christian standard Bible translation. She reads truth. I really, really, really like this. The only thing I would have done different is I would have chose a different color because it's just getting worn, but I just wipe it off. But it's an amazing Bible. Um, It's a journaling Bible. So I use the columns to write in and you will quickly learn that you want to use a specific pen um, in the Bible because it'll bleed through the other pages as well as the highlighter. Okay. I digress. My daughter said, mom, talking to you is like following rabbits. It's like you go down this hole and this hole and this hole. So let me come on back. So first Samuel chapter 15 verse 22. Then Samuel said, does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Look, To obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, which is witchcraft. It's a pretty big deal. And defiance is like wickedness and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. (sighs) Wow. This is um, the prophet... Samuel, um, priest Samuel, um, talking to King Saul. Um, so King Saul, you know, prior to King David and, um, his disobedience cost him, um, the throne and, um, yeah, so faithful obedience immediately is so important. And the reason I wanted to read from that, you're, you're going to see right now. So we are, again, in Esther. We're reading in book, in um, chapter three. Um, If you are not subscribed to the blog, I just want to insert in here that I really, really suggest you do. Um, Not only do I really want to connect with you, genuinely connect with you, um, I also would love for you to glean from the resources. So the podcast notes um, slash blog really um, allow you to if you're a visual learner like me to be able to see scripture. So I'm going to put the scriptures there, everything that I'm going to reference um, as well as just to kind of um, go into more detail. So I really suggest you do get subscribed and you actually get a free, I like free, you get a free um, e-journal in that subscription. There's marriage resources, um, the marriage, Ebook devotion, which I'm really, really excited about. It's launching next month um, so that you can stay attuned, stay abreast to um, details about that. So great value. But um, all that to say, the information in greater detail will be also on the blog. So I hope you get subscribed as well as to share it to somebody um, if this has been a blessing to you. That would be a great honor for me. If you can share this to um, one other person um, that you feel is in need of encouragement, it really um, is about. Uh, just spreading the gospel and giving God glory. And even if you're spreading it, it might be like, oh, well, that person's already a believer. Um, but yes, the Bible also talks about encouraging one another. Um, so that is what this is for. But uh, Esther three, um, the, the idea is you may not know I may not know, and I don't know, um, why God allows or brings certain things into our life or certain people into our path or or trials or why, why does he allow that? I don't know if you've ever asked God that. Like, God, I know you could have, so why didn't you? Um, and it might feel like he's so distant or like, you know, if he was a good God, if you've ever, you know, said that, why would he have allowed? So you may not ever know why, or like at all on this side of heaven, or you may not understand it in its entirety. Maybe he's giving you like a little, you know, trailer version, like a snippet. Um, But here's the thing God does. And that's where, so with our kids, we're really like, Hey, your default and, and us is God's children. So as his kid, okay, your default is God. I don't know. God, I don't understand. God, I feel like this. God, the sky is caving in. However and whatever you're bringing as your one-on-one, your unhurried time to God, in your closet, in your space, wherever that is. God, I don't know. But the default, eventually, as you walk out of that quiet time, that time with God, that time in the closet, the default setting is, God, I don't know, but I trust you. God, I can't see, but I trust you. And so just some history here. Um, Amalek was the head of the Amalekites, this group of people who lived near Canaan um, and they were enemies to the Israelites. And this is, again, I'll post this in the blog. This is Genesis uh, chapter 36 verses 9 through 15, Numbers um, chapter 13 verse 29, and Exodus 17, 8 through 13. All different snippets and pieces to see historically who this group of people were. They were nomads and they were enemies to the, the Israelites, God's people. Um, so God commanded in, as we read in 1 Samuel, actually before that he commanded in first Samuel 15 verses two and three, he commanded, um, King Saul, Now go and attack the Malachites, and this is verse three, and completely destroy everything they have. Do not spare them. Kill men and women, infants and nursing babies, oxen and sheep, camels and donkeys. Like everything. And it's like, wow, how can God? God, really? Like everything? Like the dirt? (laughs) Just nothing? Nothing else left? And then this is where it's like, okay, gosh, that seems so harsh. Like, God, maybe you didn't really, really mean that. Maybe you meant... Something a little bit different. God, that can't be right, right? Um, so we just start questioning and getting in this dialogue and these sequel versions that God never said. So this is clearly what God commanded. That's not what Saul did. Saul left the best. So he used his his, his mortality, his subjective understanding, which we are all limited because we don't know what we don't know. And he decided to do some of what God said. Some, I'm give them half credit, but not all of it. And the thing is, partial obedience is still disobedience. I'm sure you've heard that. I mean, that's what my parents used to tell me. That's what I tell my kids. It just begets and baguettes. So I'm sorry. Like, yes, you kind of did it, but you didn't do it all. So technically, mm, you, you you didn't pass. You did not pass the test of surrendering and following. So anyways, these arch enemies against the Israelites... Saul disobeys. He leaves King Agag, Agag um alive. So this <laughs> um this is again 1 Samuel um, chapter 15. And he leaves in verse 20. And this is also another thing. Our foolishness, have you ever like lied to yourself so much that you like really actually think you know what you're talking about? <laughs> and it takes somebody else to be like, You're lying to yourself. So he said in 1 Samuel 15, verse 20, but I did obey the Lord, Saul answered. I went on the mission that God gave me. I brought back King Agag of of, um, Amalek and I completely destroyed the Amalekites. The troops took sheep, goats, and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was set apart for destruction to sacrifice to the Lord, your God at Gilgal. So this is where he's like, listen, I did it, like I did, like I did everything. And then Samuel's like, but what about this bleeding of sheep in my ear? Like, why am I, no, you didn't. So fast forwarding, he disobeyed, decided what he wanted to do and still tried to lie to himself. Then he finally is like, I'm sorry, I sinned, I did wrong. Samuel ended up having to kill Agog, but here's the piece. Them jokers who who Saul decided to leave alive, they got away and escaped. So, and what happens, um, the, those who escaped, you know, kept growing and having kids and having more kids and they over centuries, over decades of people, generations of people, will they continue to harass Israel, the Israelites, because Saul didn't do what he was supposed to be doing. He did not do, he didn't follow instructions. So this is where now let's head to Esther, Esther chapter three. Um, So Haman, 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 he is an enemy of the Jewish people, those who the Lord is king. Um, Haman is a descendant of King Agag. He's an Agite, which clearly an Agite was an Amalekite. So he's in that lineage line of those who were enemies to Israel. So this nut, so he's like, you know, he's like, so... King Az- Azariah is the king. And then Haman is like his, his right-hand man. He's like the next man in charge. And he has like this, you know, he took this place of, of all of this position. So people were bowing to him, celebrating him, like, you're so great. You awesome, awesome person. Um, and Mordecai didn't. And it, scripture's not clear. I was studying this actually in the Tony Evans study Commentary Bible, which I love, love, love. I really suggest you get that. Um, It's not clear that Mordecai, that the Jewish people necessarily don't bow just to not bow. It was just, it was more so who Haman was and what he stood for. He was an Amalekite. His lineage is from um, Amalek. So it was probably more about, because it says, but Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. So anyways, Haman hears of this, gets word of this, is not not happy about this, that this guy, Mordecai, is not paying homage. So by verse 5, um, it says that um, when Haman saw that Mordecai was not bowing down or paying him homage, he was filled with rage. And when he learned of Mordecai's ethnic identity, it seemed repugnant to Haman to do away with Mordecai alone. So he planned to destroy all of Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout Azariah's kingdom. I mean, Hitler. Hitler, like a a mass extinction plan. So you see, he was mad about, he was raged, he was upset that this one person, but then he dialed back and realized who and what Mordecai stands for who and where he came from. So that's when we get to the next verse. He's like, so now he's just planning for this massive Jewish Jewish, extermination. So my first question is, I said, I wonder what my disobedience will affect downstream. Are there repercussions to not faithfully obeying God? So Saul's immediate downstream disobedience is being felt here. There's about to be mass Extinction for the Jews, and if Saul, King Saul, had done away with all of the Malachites, like God had said, this wouldn't have happened, right? So, going back to remember last week in chapters one and two, we talked about that setup plan, this providential piece of God. So, God had been in the background setting this up because he knew what was going to be coming ahead in terms of Haman and extinction etc um so there's a specific purpose for your your life narrative for your story and your obedience and who or what God is planning it for for the exact place the exact time that you intersect pathways with that person um or that you show up on this job or that you end up at this um in this neighborhood at this exact time there is purpose and um I just I'm also gonna put this on a blog it's um verses um it was chapter three verses five and six that I read from um to keep it moving here um so The king as a race, you're kind of like, well, where was the king? Well, the king was really kind of like, he was, so there was a battle before that he like lost massively. So he's kind of like, I'm done. I'm not dealing with any type of drama. I don't want any bad news. Hey, Heyman, you just kind of run the country. Here's my signet ring. You do your thing. I trust your judgment. You've got it. So he's kind of like. I'm just going to live in luxury comfort, drink it up. I'm good. So by verse 10 and 11, that's what that's pretty much saying. Haman gets this, Haman markets a beautiful plan that self-serves him, uh, which is really a lie, but he pretty much tells the king that there's this group of people talking about the Jews who are against you and are against all that you say. um, And they're going to be trouble for you. So then that's when the king gives him the signet ring, do what you want, do do whatever you need to do. This is in verses 10 and 11, um, which is how he was even able to do this law because the law couldn't come from Haman. It had to come from the king. So this mass edict, this law, these couriers sent all of the information out to all of this big province. And remember back to chapter one, um, Azariah's kingdom stretched. Um, a; It was a vast kingdom and it stretched from India to, to Kush. So all that to say, there was this annihilation. Can you imagine getting a newspaper at your door or reading a headline on that pops up on your news? I get like news pop-ups on my phone. That's like mass extinction plan for whatever group of people. Um, it would literally be on that level. It would be like, oh, what, wait, what's happening here? Who's dying and why? So this is, a. Uh, Versus this is verse 13 Letters were sent by couriers to each Of the royal provinces telling the officials To destroy kill and annihilate All the Jewish people And it's like from young to old y'all This is like every kid Everything everybody out and this Would have happened so Haman had um, Pretty much like rolled dice like he Had um, did a lot And this was in verse 7 Um And the lot that it landed on was that this would happen in the 12th month, uh, the month of Adar. Uh, This is going on in the equivalent of our month of March or April, um, Nisan. So the planned extinction per the lots that he cast, him meaning Haman, was for the 12th month. So it'd been all this time that these Jews would have had to kind of sitting here waiting for their fate. Can you imagine just waiting for your fate to die? So there was clearly this great mourning um, following this, this edict, this law. They're were, they were wearing sackcloth, which was their um, external way of showing mourning and great distress and trouble. There was tears, there was ashes, there was fasting, there was all of the things because they're like, okay, literally we have X amount of months. It is like a countdown. Like It is like going to the doctor and getting that diagnosis that says you have three months to live, you have six months to live, you have a year. Um, and I am just spoiler alert, alert, just so grateful that even with that diagnoses report, even with this plan that seems etched in stone and unchangeable, God is God and he can turn those tables. So in all of this, you're like, well, where was Esther? Like, where, how about her? She's Jewish, right? She's Jewish, but in hiding, he doesn't, she hadn't let anybody know her ethnicity. So, um, by now we're in chapter four. So Esther is unaware, y'all. She is in luxury and comfort behind these palace walls. Again, remember the king is like, I don't want no bad news. Sackcloths weren't even allowed in there. Like it says in, um, chapter, chapter four, verse one, um, put on sackcloth and ashes in the middle of the city and cried. Um, yeah. Verse two, he went, meaning Mordecai only as far as the king's gate, since the law prohibited anyone wearing sackcloth from, from entering the king's, gate. So he wasn't even allowed in. So people, so it's almost like putting on headphones and, and putting on your sunglasses and not even hearing or seeing what's going on. So she's completely unaware. She's behind in this, in this luxury area, or was she, I put question mark, her luxury to me really seemed like a prison. It was, you know, so it's almost like, was her life, remember that show, (laughs) the the lifestyle of the rich and famous and i remember looking at like those mtv crib shows back in i don't know if that was 90s they probably went 90s maybe i was like early 2000s and it was just you know all these people in their great homes and all the 10 cars and 10 car garages and it just looked like oh i just want that life i want that life but maybe that luxurious life is actually a prison. Maybe that luxurious life is actually not all that it seems. Um, so her life was really not as amazing as it would really, as we would assume it would be. Um, and we're going to quickly find that out. But in verse four, so it's all this mourning going on, Esther's unaware. In verses four and five, it talks about Esther fighting out. So es- Esther's female servants and her eunuchs came and reported the news to her, and the queen was overcome by fear. And she has sent clothes to Mordecai, like, hey, get out of the sackcloth, like, put some clothes on. What's going on? She's trying to figure out what's going on. And again, if you weren't in prison, if you were just able to just go look outside the window or just go take a walk around the park, you would hear and you would see. So it's almost like she was kept unaware of just just kind of like in her whole life, like not aware of anything. So anyway, she summoned her eunuch to go to Mordecai, figure out what's going on and give me back the information. So Mordecai then gives uh, by verse 8, he gives the copy of the decree, again this big news headline newspaper to the eunuch um to give to Esther so she can see it for herself because she's completely unaware. Um and that's kind of where we're fast forwarding. So I last the second question I have three, is silo living, comfort, comfort living. Is there any way, and this is for your self-assessment, is there any way or area in your life that you're living veiled? Is there any way or any area in your life that you're kind of having this silo living that it's like, I'm just, I really don't want to know what's going on or really don't want to face what's going on. Maybe, maybe it's trauma that has happened. Maybe it's something that you don't want to come, out of from your head in the sand like an ostrich because it's too painful or this feels too good I like this 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 is comfortable why would I want to go out and go go in sackcloth I'm good so whatever direction she was heading from I don't know we don't know but I'm gonna make the assumption that she was kind of like kept prisoner in a way um but, um, so this, no passing was going on between Esther and Mordecai and, but using this unit, cause again, she can't just go herself to go talk to her, her uncle. Um, but Esther revealed by verse 11, I'm trying to remember which one that was verse 11, all the Royal officials and the people of the Royal provinces know that one law applies to every man or woman who approaches the king in the inner courtyard and who had not has not been summoned the death penalty unless the king extends the golden scepter allowing that person to live so she's telling um Mordecai like listen because in this no passing time um Mordecai finally asks her and it's like listen you you know you you've got to go You've, um, you've got to go and talk to the king. You've got to plead for our people on behalf of our people. You've got to, you've got to, we're going to die. So this is, um, what her, not her uncle, her cousin, this is what her older cousin is, is telling her. Cause remember he was her legal guardian. He's like, listen, like you, at the end of the day, I know I told you to, to be in hiding Mm, out done. You come out, come out now from let them know, write it on, on the board everywhere. You are Jewish. You need to save your people, is, is what um, he, he sent to her. And then her response was, I, I can't. There's, there's a whole law that you aren't even allowed to go to the king. I haven't even been summoned by the king in a month, which is why I go back to, I don't think life was all that it seemed with her. She hadn't even seen her husband. You know, he had already brought on new wives and stuff or new concubines, but um, life wasn't necessarily what it seemed. And, um, that's revealed, you know, pretty, pretty easily because it's just like, Hey, I can't necessarily just go up to him. And if I don't get that scepter extended, I'm dead. I'm dead. So it don't even matter about the people because I'm gonna be dead. Um, so this, I can't, have you ever told God I can't, it just seems for me, it just feels so close to conversations between myself and God where it's like, God, I can't, or kind of like King Saul, I won't because I have a better plan. God, this way is better. I, I've already thought about it. This way will really work. I think we should do this. So whether it's, I can't God, or I won't. And then Mordecai checks her, you know, her elder cousin checks her in verses 13 and 14. I'll let you read that in um, verses 4, 13, and 14. I read it at the um, very beginning, but I'll let you read that again on your own. And, and it's like, Hey, um, don't get it twisted. You might think that you're safe and secure in these palace walls, but it's going to affect you. I don't know when, but it's going to, it's going to come for you and your family. And I love that faith of Mordecai. He was like resolved level of faith. And it's this level of faith that was like, I don't know God, how or why this is happening, but I know that you are going to save your people. So even if not through Esther, God will bring up somebody, uprise somebody later to save the people. And he had that level of faith. And it wasn't even necessarily that he was determined of his fate or Esther's fate. Um, Mordecai just knew downstream there was going to be a, a turn and that God would ultimately still get glory. This is still always God's story. Remember, God is the main character not Esther, it's not Mordecai, it's not Azariah. it is God. So this is ultimately his story. So last question is, what risk are you willing to take? What what risk Um, for downstream legacy, victory, or faithful obedience, however you want to frame it for yourself? What risk? There's always a risk at following Christ. Always. I don't know if that's going to be in your parenting, if it's going to be in your marriage, if it's going to be in your career. Maybe it's going to be career um, execution for you because you're doing something completely different because that's what God, God has told you to do. Maybe it's going on this mission trip. Maybe it is starting a new small group Bible study. Maybe it's going into ministry full time. Maybe it's discipling your kids with more intention. Whatever that looks like. Maybe it's even saying, hey, I might not have these friends because they feel like I'm extreme because of my beliefs now. Whatever that looks like, there is always going to be a risk in following Christ. But so Mordecai pretty much says, even if you escape, Esther, or to you, friend, even if you get through what looks like this comfortable life, it won't be for long. There is always going to be, there's going to be a connected level of you didn't obey. And we read and saw what happened when Saul thought, he knew better than God. And there was a consequence, not only for him and his life, and he lost the throne, but then downstream for his people, that they were affected because of his disobedience. Um, So friend, you are not here by happenstance. It's not just like, oh, some random Monday morning that you just, you know, are here on this day, or that your life has no purpose. Even if you don't know your mom, don't know your dad, if you were, Um, Orphaned or if you had a very traumatic upbringing Your life has purpose and your life has value Um, And this, remember that word And if if you remember from last week We talked about providential, providence And I know it sounds churchy But I want to read the definition again It's providential is occurring at a favorable time An opportune time Or involving divine foresight or intervention God is setting us up He's setting us all up. He set up the story so that he knew that there was a coming, a time that he had to free the Jews because of this execution plan. So Esther's position was a setup. Your life is a setup, but will she surrender? And y'all, my girl, mm, my girl, she did it. She did it. Um, And Esther... um, So Esther then sent this reply again. We still pass a note. She's still not talking to Mordecai directly. By verse 16, go, this is Esther to Mordecai through that note. Go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, three days, nights, or days. For three days, night or day, I and my female servants will also fast in the same way. After that, I will go to the king, even if it is against the law. If I perish, I perish. Y'all, surrender. She ultimately landed, even though she started with, I can't, but I won't. It ended in what really matters, which is a life of surrender. So will she surrender? Yep, she did. My girl, she did So, you know, with Jesus, it's never, it's, he never softened truth. Um, it was, it was never necessarily harshness, but he never softened it. And I respect that. I love just give me it straight, you know, um, and following him, he made it very clear following him leads to tough choices. It leads to an altered life. If you decide to follow Jesus, he was very clear about that. So we do him wrong. We do others wrong. When we think that we're trying to market Jesus, just come to church and your life is just going to be amazing. Just read your Bible like 10 times a day and, you know, give your life to God and just poof, you're going to have this great life. That is false marketing. You know, there is no level, no scripture. If so, please share it with me. And You will not find that this Bible will say just because you're following Jesus, your life is easy. It's just not in here. So we all must decide what we will ultimately identify ourselves by, I said. It's either going to be God's empire or it's going to be our plan, our own empire. It's going to be God's or us. And remember in Exodus 20, verse 3, that when you think about the commands, God said that you need to love God. With your whole heart, I mean, God is first, He's like, It's me, it's got to be me first. And I wrote here in Matthew six twenty four. also will be on the blog. Um, you know, everybody is following something. I mean, even if you don't think you're following something, you're like, Oh, I'm just I, I can't do Jesus, I'm not following Jesus, but you're following something. I don't know if you're following your plan, if you're following, um, just avoidance, if you're following the social cultural norms and standards. If you're following, I want to be this with my career. If you're following your idol of marriage, if you're following your idol of parenthood, you're following something. It might not be Jesus, but you're following something. So in Matthew 6, 24 says, you can't have two masters. At some point, it's going to get to a place that you're going to have to decide, uh, this one comes first. This one comes first. So who comes first to, to you, you, your whole self or God, this person or God, this plan or God's plan. Um, so Esther got it. She got this plan of surrender. So surrendered plans, legacy, comfort in exchange for following Jesus. It's following Jesus is Jesus says that you must forsake everything, everything in order to follow me. And actually, in following me, your life will be better. So that's the hope. It's not going to be maybe comfortable, but it's better. And it's going to be fulfilling. And it's going to be one of so much peace. Peace does not equate to not trouble, but peace, friend. So I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And I hope that you get connected, get subscribed to the blog. Um, Again, we've got that ebook coming. If you're married, I would love, love you to get this. This would be a great encouragement, a way to be praying for our husbands. Um, My heart of this is I came from a very troubled marriage for almost 10 years. um, That included a little bit of everything. But our biggest story, our biggest testimony, which I can't share because my my husband and I share it together, is infidelity. So... um, this, the idea of the devotion is to find hope in dry places. So friend, I hope to see you next week on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining. Have a great week.